0: Hi, friends. I'm Molly, your host for today, and thanks for listening to Relief from Darkness, where we're having conversations with people who have walked out of various mental health issues and into freedom. Today, we'll be hearing from Charlotte and her walk out of performance-based acceptance. Charlotte is the Worship Co-Director at No Boundaries International. She has a master's in counseling and uses her skill set in the restoration department to see people healed, set free, and delivered from various setbacks. I'm Molly. I just want to welcome you back to our podcast, Relief from Darkness. I'm here with the team where we're continuing our conversation on various aspects of mental health and distorted thought processes that Jesus has really walked some people out of. So we're just gathering here with real live testimonies of the true freedom found in Christ because we know that if we can change our brains, you can change your life. And that's the goal here is to change these thought processes and to really walk into freedom, into the fullness of who we are created to be without any distraction. So today we have Charlotte with us, and she's going to be talking about her experience with performance-based acceptance and how that impacted her life. And then also joining us today, we have our very own brain geek, Dr. Lori Basie, and she will be here giving us the brain dump portion of the show. And then we have our great friend, Carly, with us, who's helping facilitate some questions. So with that, Carly, can you kind of tell us a little bit about performance-based acceptance and all that entails? Yes, absolutely. So performance-based
1: acceptance is, bottom line, the belief that you are accepted by others based off of what you do. So a person may constantly think to themselves, what can I do to be loved, to be known, to belong, or to be Mm. successful? So it's pretty deeply rooted with identity, Um, but it is needing to be recognized that there are some levels of healthy performance and really responsibility that's required in any relationship or business or sphere of influence. But the tendency with performance-based acceptance is for people to place all their value in their performance rather than receiving value in who they are. Mm Mm-hmm. So with that, we are going to get some great insight from Charlotte on how performance-based acceptance has affected her life. So Charlotte, can you tell us about the impact that you have experienced from really valuing performance and and letting that be a part of your identity in your life?
2: Yes. So I believe that probably most of my life, since before I really um could express myself with words i probably felt like um i wasn't enough Mm. um influence was very important in my family and in my sphere and in in the community where i was raised um people that had the funniest story people that um were the most intellectual or knowledgeable or mission-minded and influential within you know a religious sense um seemed to get the most attention. And I was very sick when I was little. I was in the hospital all the time. I seemed to get attention from being weak and sick. I was very introverted. I was extremely shy. Um, I had an older brother. I have an older brother who I absolutely adore, but he is Kind of the life of the party he's mm-hmm. just an attractive person on the inside and out and always always looked up to him mm-hmm. um but i always compared myself to him so he it was probably the first person that i started to kind of identify with as i'm not enough he would never know that he never imposed that on me he wasn't competitive but mm-hmm. i yeah. was internally competitive with him um, and then i had friends who were just rock stars and i just felt more like a wallflower um, so when I was in elementary school or when I was little, I was just really good. I was the good girl. I was super conscientious. I was super compliant. I didn't, I did whatever my mom told me. I, I wore what she told me to wear If my friends wanted to bully me. I just would come right back and want more attention. And I just was, was really needy of relationship and never felt worthy of it. Um, in like adolescence into college, I was more kind of casting that off and became a little bit more rebellious and decided to be the fun girl. And so the funniest joke, let's cut class and let's go to the lake, dependent on alcohol to strike up a conversation because I was so shy. I, I really learned that if I could just loosen up, it would all be fine. Um, I tried to attract guys, and yet I couldn't hold on to anything or anyone. Mm. And so that really didn't work for me through high school or college. Um, But then I did get married, and I did attract one, very (laughs) special in particular, one who saw through all of that masking of trying to be cool um, and yet still conscientious from the good girl portion of life. Um, but I became a school counselor in a private Christian school at the age of 24. And so I was immediately elevated into an administrative role in a Christian environment. And so I became the religious one. And so I became very um, careful about the rules, and I had to lead the prayers, and I had to help families deal with their middle school kids. And so I kind of elevated myself into this religious authority, and mm-hmm. it became very— um, it, it, it really became a, a big barrier between me and my husband because I had changed on him. He met me as the fun girl. He yeah. knew I loved Jesus. I mean, throughout all of it, I've never remembered a time in my life that I didn't know and love Jesus. And I knew that he loved me. And I had that as a foundation. And that kept me probably more than anything.
1: Yeah.
2: I remember going back to my Bible at night and crying after partying in college. And, you know, this is not who I am. But I couldn't figure out who I was. And it never felt good enough. Mm. And so anyway i I just tried different types of personalities to be who I felt like people wanted me to be rather than who God did
0: yeah wow, hmm. I feel like that would be just tiring over It was a exhausting of time. yes, and then you get into that like, did you ever feel really known or no. really? Yeah, that's hard. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that was my deepest desire,
2: was just to be known and validated. I mean, I just was desperate to be validated for who I was, and and I, I went looking for it from the outside.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Dr. Lori, with that, can you tell us a little bit from the brain and then also biblically what comparison and things like that does
3: to us? So we're all hardwired to be connected. So that's non-negotiable. We're all hardwired to make a significant impact in the world that surrounds us. And so that's what's so beautiful. But the problem is, is that great, beautiful thing actually twisted and turns into a weakness when then we try to find our significance from either what people say about us or our ability to perform. And we make it all about us. And then we don't know who we are And then it's funny what Charlotte talked about. She's trying to figure out what people want and she's trying to be that. But more than likely, they have no idea what they want either. And so Mm -hmm. they probably don't even know who they're supposed to be, let alone. And you think about it's then just kind of the blind leading the blind and none of us know who we are. And then if you get into the comparison, then really what that's saying is that we don't know who we are and therefore we're looking for anyone or anything else that looks good. And Jesus made a mistake with us because he didn't know what he was doing because he didn't give us that. And then the jealousy and the envy and all of those things that start to result as as that really cause detriment to our relationships. And I think we actually then have to retrain our brain. This is all natural. The world would say you're valued based by your performance or by what other people say about you or how many likes you have or et cetera, et cetera. But really, Jesus says you're valuable because of what I did, not because of anything that you're going to do or anything that you've done. Because before we were even born, he died for us. And so we actually have to retrain our brains to go back to not what I do or my performance or even who I am, but we have to start with whose I am. And when I know whose I am and what he actually did, then I can start to find out about who I am and because of what he did and whose I am, then I'm going to want to do the best that I can and I'm going to want to know me and then show me and show up with me and have a high respect for that. But then I'll know what I'm supposed to do and then I'll understand my strengths and my weaknesses and how I function in those roles, and then I become interdependent on other people, not for comparison, but then to play my part. And so it's really, really important for us to know that if if at some age, and it's subconsciously that we start to get into this trap that's so well, uh, well put in America, that if we start to get into that, then I need to then know and bring that to my conscious thought processes to actually restructure and to change my brain. And so back to the, the CPR of that then, then I need connection. I need connection with other people who will take a chance with me no matter how I do. What does What does that relationship look like as I start to develop who I am and my acceptance isn't going to come from actually what I did or how well I did it. I need to know the psychoeducation that this is going against the survival and simplicity of my brain and everything that I've been taught. And then I need to get into a routine of really focusing on and allowing Jesus to connect with me, Jesus to give me my significance, and then me to really bring me and who I think is me and the real me onto the playing field with others.
1: Mm, That's good. I love hearing that insight and the perspective there. So Charlotte, back to you when when years of your life were really overshadowed in this area of acceptance, how did the cycle stop or are there still triggers or has it stopped or what what is your life
2: like now in this area well the main i mean i, I had i pursued the Lord throughout i mean i, I really have throughout most of my life mm-hmm. and I do believe that that has kept me in the truth even though i have Really strived and struggled for a long time in my own identity and really just liking myself and just really Mm -hmm. enjoying who he made me to be and bringing that into the room, like Lori was kind of talking about. And so, but I remember one moment where I was just, I was a, a mom. I mean, I am a mom, I had had young kids, and I just was. Feeling rejected and feeling like I didn't fit anywhere, Mm -hmm. and just feeling like everything that I tried it didn't matter. I just didn't matter, and I just knew that that wasn't true. And I couldn't get over into believing it with my heart. And and so I just said, Lord, what does that look like? What does it look like? What do I look like to you? And He gave me a picture of Cinderella. This sounds really kind of cheesy, but it was really, really powerful to me in the moment. Mm -hmm. And she's in her apron, and she's got. Soot all over, and she's scrubbing the floor, and she's scrubbing the stairs. And the Wicked Stepmom, which is kind of the world, was just saying, you know, after you do this, you're going to do that. And after you do this, you're going to do that. and You're not invited, you know. And it was mm-hmm. just kind of this never enough kind of um, feeling that just hit my gut, and it made sense to me. And I looked at him and to God, and I just said, so what do you want to say to me about that? And he just said, so are you ready to put on the ball gown? (laughs) Mm. And I said, yeah, like, yes, (laughs) you know. And it's just an identity shift that happened immediately with him where I learned, like, I have that image. Now, every time I go to, am I enough as a mom? Am I enough as a wife? Am I enough in ministry? You know, coming to this podcast, like, is the story going to resonate? Like, you know, all of that. In the end, if I just function from that place of, I really already own everything that He's given me, and I get to just wear it and represent Him everywhere mm-hmm. I go, and that just totally canceled all the other, um, all the other lies. So um, that was a big part. I, I then went through a series of really seeking deeper rooted communities of people that um, were following Jesus at a wholehearted, surrendered way, and I think the surrender. Part of it is huge of just instead of expecting validation, I just die to myself. And so I really, I got baptized um, when I was in, we lived in, in Shanghai, China for about eight years and I got baptized as an adult in China um, and just really recommitted my mm-hmm. life in the fullness of freedom and what freedom meant for his filling my life and me not having to validate it for myself. So a true death to self. Um And that was probably the beginning. But it's been a walkout. And it still is a renewing of my mind. And I can share some tools in a little while about that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with that, there's like, when I get this picture of stepmom or stepsisters Mm -hmm. and the Cinderella kind of picture, of any time we're looking for that, any kind of validation in whatever area in our lives, that is what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just this critical like criticizing of who we are that just simply isn't true. Mm -hmm. So, Dr. Laura, do you have any other insights about where or strategies to find or establish
3: uh, identity from Jesus? So I think we all have this God-shaped hole inside of us. And if we try to put anything else except for him in it, it will fall short. And he won't let anyone or anything else besides him meet that deep desire for connection and significance in our lives. And and it's just a beautiful process in turning to him. But we also then again we have to have people with skin on. And I love Charlotte brought up the S word, the surrender. We have to <laughs> surrender. And if we surrender, because again we've talked about whether it's pride or low self esteem or performance based acceptance, The common denominator is that navel gazing, we're looking at ourselves, we're making it all about us, and if I can just perform well enough, then I'm going to meet this need inside of me, and I can't really come with who I am, because I don't even really know who I am, I don't know what they need, so I'm going to think about what I think that they need or what I need to do, and how I need to perform actually to fulfill this thing inside of me. And that's what our brain has been ordered to. And so shift happens when we change the narrative. (laughs) <laughs> and so her narrative was changed through that Cinderella story. I love also another strategy is when the narrative happens is that when we keep keeping bombarded with this thing, then going back to who taught me that, when yeah. did I first learn that? What's the perspective that I need to see when I first started doing that? What, lie did I partner with? How did I make that neural pathway in my brain for survival or for simplicity that I'm going to expend the least amount of calories and and know that then well somebody taught me that if I show up and I'm just right, if I do just the right thing, if I, it, then I'm going to be accepted. Well, who taught me that? And that's not accurate or true. And then going to the root of the story where Jesus actually showed up and then invited her into that gown. What a beautiful thing, but then mm-hmm. it's not one and done. She's got to maintain it. Yeah. Even in coming to this podcast or in ministry or in home or a relationship as a wife, she's got to maintain that thing because gravity always goes down. So we want uphill results and we have to maintain uphill result habits, not downhill habits. So those things have to be maintained throughout the rest of our lives.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so Charlotte, what have you done to maintain or does this? I mean even if you said just coming into this podcast like is there anything that you do or go to whenever you realize that you're kind of leaning back towards that performance based acceptance
2: So um number 1 is i would say just a real intentionality and connection so mm-hmm. worship is is a, is my passion and it's so interesting that, of course, that would be an area of tact for me that I would be so self-absorbed that I wouldn't be able to truly worship the Lord freely. And so um, really in the moment of worship, if I start to get dysregulated or anxious or not want to enter in or engage, part of my story is I would get depressed and I would get kind of agoraphobic. I wouldn't want to leave the house. I wouldn't want to go and socialize. I wouldn't I'd be afraid to enter into the room. Um, and so now it's just intentionally connecting even when i don't feel like it and even when Mm, i start to feel a little bit dysregulated so worship really helps with that um obviously scripture and, and and reading the word but also journaling out what he's saying to me through the word and through just conversation with him um so that's number one really is connection and then we've also learned some tools um through being a part of this community that we call the Desire Wheel. And that's basically something that you can find on through the app, through the Journey of Restoration. But um, it's a great tool to, when you do feel triggered, when you do feel these old feelings again, then you can really look to this thing to kind of help identify what you really needed at the time yeah. that you were trying to get outside of yourself. And um, and you really go to the Lord to get the truth about what He is offering. Um, and so then when you walk in a room, when I walk in a room, I get to offer freely my heart. It used to be that I felt like I would offer my heart and they didn't want it, that it wasn't good enough, that it, it whatever I had to give, it just felt like unworthy, like I've mentioned before. But now I just offer it and it doesn't matter how anyone receives mm-hmm. it. My part is just offering. Yeah. And so to stay connected in the offering, to stay connected to God in the tools of of when I do get triggered that I talk to him about it and then I know that I can offer whatever it was that I felt like I needed I actually get to give that into the room and not worry about
0: whether or not anybody receives it or not can you go ahead and just give us a little example of since you brought up the desire wheel um, can you just go a little bit more into detail or give an example of how that works um, so
2: the desire wheel has different sections in it Um where basically we're drawn to either a place of connection or stability or significance. Um, so there's, there are different things that matter more to different people, whereas something like Dr. Lori might really be drawn to feeling significant, or I'm really drawn to feeling a feeling of belonging. So when I walk in a room, I want to belong. If she walked in a room, she might want to feel significant. But instead of feeling belonging or feeling significant, when we ask Jesus how he says that we're significant or how he says that we belong, then we actually walk in the room and we offer significance into the room or we offer belonging into the room. So instead of me worrying about do I belong, I go in and help others who look like they don't belong, belong. Mm. And in that, I belong, if that yeah. makes sense. So you're not self-absorbed with your own need to get what you need out of the community of people or the person, instead, you offer it to them freely. And they may or may not even notice it or want it. It, you, it. it may not land well. Right. But it didn't always with Jesus either. And so what we do is we offer. And they get to choose whether or not they receive it. And that gives you that place of, I choose to give it freely. I don't have to worry about how I'm defined about whether or not they receive it. Yeah. Mm. So um, That's good that's really it. I think that covers most of the things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it basically just gives verbiage to maybe something that you might be yearning for. And then it gives you the opportunity to go to the Lord with that and then give it to others. Yes. Because if we are receiving from him, it will, it will flow through if we let it yes. and are willing, just like you're talking about. Now I can come into a room and, and just put a, out my offering mm-hmm. and, and not be hurt if it's not taken or, you know, that, that kind of follow through.
2: So then it doesn't become a performance where it's measured on how well received it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's more of just a free offering of, again, the, from the ball gown from, yeah, I'm connected to Jesus. I got what he's got right. and I want to go love people with that.
0: You mm-hmm. belong. So you belong.
2: And yeah. Now you get to
0: offer belonging. Yeah. That's beautiful. But
2: he'll be specific with you. And the Desire Will helps you get a, a little bit more of a, maybe it's peace. You're just longing for peace, you know. And so um, he'll, he'll invite you into how he sees peace in your life or he's giving you peace in your life. And then you don't have to go search externally mm-hmm, to yeah. have peace or control your environment to have peace, right. whatever that is that you need.
1: That's good. Thank you for sharing that. That's helpful and a great resource. So Dr. Lori... We'll start with you first and then we'll go to Charlotte. If you could give a takeaway to our listeners,
3: what would you say? So I think with performance-based acceptance, it's interesting that we're called human beings and not human doings. Mm. Yeah. And so what's our value? Again, who's am I? And then who am I? And then what am I called to do? And the thing that I need the most, I love that principle of what you plant, then you're going to harvest. And so then... Like Charlotte said, if hers is belonging, if mine's significance, then if I know whose I am and then who I am and I'm not trying to validate myself based on what people say or what I think they need or want. But then if I just am so full of significance that that's just what I ooze out. And so I think the hardest person that we're ever going to have to lead is really going to be ourselves, And if we take care of who we are and know whose we are, then I think it changes everything.
1: Mm, yeah
2: what about you charlotte
1: what's one takeaway for our listeners
2: um well i have a scripture to share that has um it's from the passion translation so it's just a different way to hear it and it just resonated with me that i thought i would just share as kind of a final word Mm -hmm. yeah um but it's romans 8 starting with verse 14 and it says the mature children of god are those who are moved by the impulses of the holy spirit And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join with him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, You are God's beloved child. And so... The, the the mature children of God are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so as much as I can walk out my life by the impulses of the Holy Spirit and not my flesh and my need to be valued or validated, yeah. but just truly seeing in a room what others need first and loving them from that place, mm. um, that's the Holy Spirit, and that's His love. And He just fills us for that. And then we're completely connected To him and to people, which is what it's all about. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think life by the Spirit is a a study of my heart for my life. You know, I always go back there as um, as a place of reference for my heart.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we absolutely have to get our identity from one, Mm -hmm. and that's Father God, Mm -hmm. and He has to be the one that establishes that in us before we can really flourish into who we're called to be. Mm -hmm. And if we can get our identity from that, if we can pull from that life source of being eternally connected with our father in heaven, we can change the way we think. And when we change the way we think we change our life, which is just beautiful (laughs) how he's designed it that way, because then we're never lacking. Mm -hmm. So thank you guys Mm -hmm. for being here. And thank you, Charlotte for sharing and being vulnerable with us. Um, it's truly a pleasure. And thank you all for listening and we will see you next time. Bye. 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 Thank you guys so much for listening to our relief from darkness podcast. If you would like more information or are looking for more resources to help overcome the topics we've discussed here, please visit the No Boundaries International website at www.nbint.org where we have a free e-course titled Journey of Restoration. And be sure to please leave us any comments or reviews as this will help get our content out to more listeners. We're praying for you guys and we will see you next time.